Hi everybody, um, I hope you're doing well. I know it's been a long time since I've posted an episode. Um, this one's not going to be edited very much. I woke up about 30 minutes ago and am finally talking about something that I've wanted to talk about for a while. And you're just going to have to accept it warts and all. It's probably going to suck. It's impromptu. Um, my apologies in advance if it turns out to be especially bad. So... Um, about two months ago, I had what I am guessing was like a day-long panic attack. Even though people say you can't have a panic attack for all day, they they apparently usually only last like 10 minutes or 30 minutes. But I'm pretty sure based on the symptoms, I, I had basically a day-long panic attack or one that lasted initially probably like eight hours or more maybe like 10 and then later in the evening kind of started up again I'm assuming or got really close to that um, so what I want to say is is previously I've never had panic or anxiety disorders anything like that um, I'm as far as like a big five personality trait score goes or I guess the uh, scores I got based on a big five a big five trait personality assessment is I'm incredibly low in trait neuroticism. I think I was at like 4% or 1%, something like that. And I'm also very low in agreeableness, and that will come up later when I tell you kind of the symptoms that I had after these panic attacks and how, how it, uh, it kind of changed me. Um, so during the panic attack, what did I feel? So I, my heart rate was definitely pretty intense. Um, or I should say elevated. I had chest pain in the center of my chest. Sorry for that background noise. That's a it's a blender somebody's using probably 40 feet away from me. And it's crazy that you can still hear it through like multiple layers of walls. Hoo-ya Vitamix. Um, okay, so, so during that time, that's what I felt. So I felt pain in my chest. I felt, um, you know, I had an elevated heart rate. At the time, I was also having headaches and stuff. And then there was a feeling of just overwhelming dread and despair is probably the best way I could say it. And just a feeling of complete isolation. Like to me, it felt like somebody had imagined just being thrown out into the vastness of space. And there's literally nothing close to you and that you probably and I would say it's just totally pitch black. Like you're not seeing the light from any stars or planets or anything like that. You're just out there kind of in a vacuum and then it was just a feeling of overwhelming, just meaninglessness and that I never mattered whatsoever. Um, that anything, and also that anything I would ever do would ever matter. And it's, that's probably one of the, it's one of the worst feelings I think I've ever felt in my life. I'm trying to think of anything that felt worse than that feeling and nothing did. And mind you, during this entire time, I had totally convinced myself or I was very convinced I was going to die. So imagine feeling like you, you're waiting to die at any time and you don't know when. And then combine that on top of that feeling of meaninglessness and that everything you'd done in life had never mattered and that anything you ever would have done in life would never matter. And that's what I was feeling basically all day. And I can tell you that it was <laughs> like Jesus Christ. It was that, That's a crushing, debilitating feeling. Um, eventually later in the day, I, I just got tired of that feeling and I went over to my friends and picked up 
um, some weights that I left over there and brought them back to where I'm currently staying. And I started working out because at that point I just didn't give a fuck anymore. I, I was thinking, um, well, you know, if there's a God and stuff like that, like you're going to fucking kill me standing up, you know, I'm going to be busy doing something or trying to get better, but I'm not going to just sit here and, you know, wait for you to finally kill me or whatever. And I'm not, you know, I, I died just kind of like crumpled up in a ball and scared as shit. Um, did I initially feel that way? No, I did not. Um, I should have gone to the hospital. I didn't. And I just did end up sitting around. And what's funny is that um, when you sit and worry about if you have anxiety issues, the more you think about them, the more you can you can kind of infect the intensity of your anxiety. So the more you sit and focus on it, the worse it gets. And you just get this compounding effect or sort of like a positive feedback loop. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. Um, but anyway, so why I wanted to tell you, I guess, or why I even brought up some of those big five personality trait things. Um, well, man, like I said, this is probably, this episode's kind of, kind of be a shit show because it's impromptu. I'm not reading from anything, even though the other ones aren't good either, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, all right, where are we going with this? Yeah. Sorry guys. Um, why was I telling you that? Okay, so I guess let, let's see how I might have even gotten to like a kind of like a panic state or whatever. Um, initially, I felt some side pain in my left side. And so naturally, I hopped on Reddit or, you know, I should just say I started looking up the symptoms in the, uh, you know, on the Internet. And I'm the type of person that I, I never assume the best case scenario for things. I always assume worst case. And then I try to process that. And if I can, then I'm good to go. So I convinced myself I probably had like kidney cancer or, or something to that effect and um and then I, I was having these really 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 intense headaches that would just hit me out of nowhere and it would feel like kind of the only way I can dis well not the only but one way I could describe it is it felt like sometimes it would just be like a lightning flash of pain that would just radiate um kind of through the center of my head and that was going on and so I'd been dealing with with these symptoms days before the actual panic attack. And so naturally by now, I, you know, I've convinced myself that I probably have some sort of terminal illness. And so I'm trying to process that. And I feel like I was probably processing that for too long. And something in my body just kind of, I don't know, it just, it, it gave out. It's almost like, I guess, if you rigged up a house with really shitty electrical or something and then you run too much of, you know, too large of an electrical load, you end up, you know, burning the house down. I think that's something that more or less happened in my central nervous system, but that's just a hypothesis. Um, I, and so how did that, okay, so, so anyway, I woke up one morning and like I said, I think I'm having like the panic attack or what I assume to be a panic attack and the symptoms finally eventually subsided around like 5 p.m. But then that night I had convinced myself if you fall asleep, you're going to die. So this is where things get really interesting. And this is still where I'm, I'm sort of dealing with an artifact from having told myself this to this day at the time of this recording. Um, so whenever I would almost fall asleep, I would I would wake up and my heart would just be jackhammering. You know, my eyes would shoot open. And periodically one of those weird headaches would hit me and I would just stand up out of bed and 
God damn it, I'm saying and again. I'm so out of... Sorry, guys. <laughs> I really do apologize for how shitty this is going to be. So anyway, that went on throughout the night, you know, for probably three or four hours. And when I would fall asleep, I would sleep for maybe a couple hours and then end up waking up. That that still, that's not going on anymore. But what I described went on for probably a good week or two. And what I've ended up having to do... So steps that I've taken to try and combat that particular issue. So what I do before bed now, and I was somebody that could fall asleep so easy. You know, I'm somebody who'd fall asleep in theaters. I could fall asleep with tons of loud noise, music, whatever going on around me. Um, I slept very well beforehand, or if I wanted to go to bed or had to tell myself I could go to sleep at a pretty decent hour, then I could normally just lay down and probably be asleep within five minutes every single night. Now that's not the case. Um, so what did I, what did I decide to do to combat this? So what I do now is I believe the playlist on YouTube is called relaxing, like soothing relaxation, something to that effect. Um, I found a really good three hour track by them that I listened to on YouTube and it's just very calming, calms me down and then I fall asleep. The other thing I did is I started taking magnesium glycinate and that has helped out a lot. Make sure you get glycinate because uh, magnesium carbonate can apparently have a stimulating effect for some people and I think it did for me one night and that didn't go well. So I highly recommend if you have sleep problems or even if you don't since a very large portion of people are magnesium deficient is to start, uh, you know, you can look into taking magnesium glycinate and see if it helps you. Uh, let's see what else, what else did I try to do? So before bed, also what I would, man, this is so shitty. I'm sorry. Again, I apologize guys. So other things I did to try to mitigate the amount of anxiety I would feel after the initial panic attack, because even to this day, I'm still having problems with anxiety sometimes, even though for the most part, I feel like I've gotten over it. So one thing that really helped a lot was staying off social media. That helped out a ton. Um, it even got to a point where I couldn't be on social media because after the panic attack, or at least whenever I'm in a highly anxious state, and I don't know why they use the term anxiety for, for the feeling that I feel or people with anxiety issues feel. It'd be like having a waiter deliver um, a very hot plate of food to you and saying, don't touch it, you'll get burned. And then somebody at some sort of national park or, you know, some... Just let's imagine that a volcano's gone off here at some national park. There's lava flowing, and some guide says, oh, yeah, don't put your hands down there because if you touch it, you'll get burned. It's like the, the two differences. You're using the same term for something that is going to produce completely different effects. Like if you touch that extremely hot plate, um, and even if you kept your fingers on it, you're probably just only going to get a minor burn. Whereas if you try to do that with the lava, it's going to burn your fucking hand off. But, yeah, we're using the term you know, don't touch it. Well, we're basically meaning don't touch it. It's hot. You know, we're, we're using that same term to describe two completely different levels of intensity. Um, I would say that's the case with anxiety or panic attack is when people say, you know, because I was very unsympathetic to people with anxiety issues, because like I said, I never had anxiety issues or, you know, I've always done well under high stress. Um, I would say for the, like 99% of the time, um, a lot of things that stress me out, or I should say a lot of things that don't stress me out, stress a lot of other people out. Um, but now with, um, with the anxiety issue 
well, I don't want to even continue calling it an anxiety issue because I'm trying to get over it. But uh, whenever I'm feeling anxious, I couldn't even argue with people on Twitter. And so this kind of ties back to why I even brought up the fact that I'm highly disagreeable is because I'm literally about as disagreeable as you can get on a big five personality trait assessment. Um, I was at like 2%. The lowest you can be measured on that is 1%. And as far as politeness goes, I measured 1%. So um, I like to think that I am very polite and, and it's genuine, but when it comes down to certain just factual things, I will just tell you, I guess maybe that's where the rudeness component comes in is I'm, I'm just, I guess what they call very blunt when it comes to certain things. Um, so that said, because I'm low in disagreeable or low in agreeableness, I am very prone to arguing with people and I love it. Um, that caused me a lot of problems with my ex because I could argue for hours nonstop and I tried to make it constructive. But the point is, is I was basically indefatigable or indefatigable indefatigable I'm not sure how to pronounce that but basically means I could just argue tirelessly and I could do that with people and I could do that all day and I liked it I like to quarrel I like to fight I like to argue I enjoy it however when I deal with this anxiety issue I cannot do that whatsoever as in it will it just spikes my anxiety and I can't fight and I can't argue now the reason why this was so you could imagine like for me this was absolutely terrifying because with a lot of my life goals and stuff, it's like, to me, it is imperative that I need the ability, I need to be able to argue with people. Um, when I eventually later on, if, you know, my, my business idea or whatever comes to fruition, you'll probably understand why I need to be able to be that way. So to me, it was like, I was a completely different person. Um, I, I just could not argue anymore. And because of that, I had to stay off Twitter. Um, even when I would see a lot of just highly political posts or the number of posts on Facebook, I couldn't deal with that shit. And I would just have to, you know, exit off Facebook. I didn't even like being on Instagram. Um, and even for a while, I couldn't even, it was hard for me to browse my YouTube channel because a lot of the stuff I watched was just so quarrelous and so dark and stuff because I'm naturally attracted to very dark subjects. You know, I mean, you can kind of just extrapolate that based on the subjects I've covered so far on this podcast like um, I'm naturally inclined to study very very dark things but I couldn't do it whenever I was feeling highly anxious and so for me when the anxiety is at its worst I feel like I'm not even the same person and there's not some quick way to just snap out of it you know that's as stupid as telling a while somebody is in a highly agitated or anxious state telling them to just snap out of it you know, or pull their head out of their ass or whatever. It's as stupid as telling a deaf person to listen up. It's like at that moment when somebody's highly anxious, they they might not even be the same person. And that's how I felt. And it was scary. Um, to some extent, I liken it. <laughs> now that I'm getting better and I have moments where I feel like, um, where I feel like me, and I kind of want to say the old me, but that sort of implies that the anxious me is me. And the old me is the new, you know, something to that effect, which isn't the case. I want to just say me, the, the, the person I've gotten used to for almost three decades. Um, whenever I feel like I am me more often, um, it, it just feels like such a blessing. And luckily I haven't had massive amounts of anxiety in 
quite a while. I think I did like a week or two ago. I'm not exactly sure what what caused it, but I man, I hate I can't describe how crappy a feeling it is. And this isn't again, this isn't minor anxiety where you know, you're you're worried about the score you're going to get on a test or something trivial like that, which I've never had issues with that kind of anxiety. Um this is more like, you know, my legs start moving and I can't keep still. And then sometimes it feels like you're getting slowly kind of sucked or pulled into, uh, yeah, you wish, um, you know, that you're, you're getting just brought down and that there's nothing you can do about it. You know, it's some sort of like cognitive, like cognitive quicksand or something to that effect. Um, very, very disturbing feeling. So what else do I do to try to combat this? Well, what I do is I work out, um, I had not consistently worked out in quite a while but now whenever I start feeling very anxious I'll start working out that can even be just doing push-ups in my room until I basically can't do push-ups anymore so for me that doesn't take very long to do but even after I technically fail from after doing the first set I will just continue doing sets and sets of push-ups until I basically can't do them anymore um that has helped out and then now I just work out in general anyway you know I go out there and just have these two dumbbells or whatever and uh, you know you can do some (laughs) single leg deadlifts that's a very taxing exercise Um, at least if you go deep it can be very hard Um, so you do like some single leg deadlifts or um, you can even do just bodyweight squats non you know just lots and lots of bodyweight squats you know I think I did like 10 sets of 20 and then with the single leg deadlifts, you do like three, four, or five sets of 25. Um, you will be sweating, and during that time, you will not feel as anxious, or you can just go out and jump rope for like an hour. Is it technically an hour? No, because I can't jump rope continuously for an hour, but I set aside an hour to sit and do jump rope. Um, I have found that for the most part, those things help. Um, I think it's ob- part of it is obvious because you're going to get a what is that? You're going to get like a dopamine release after you work out, um, which I get not as strong as I used to. I don't know if that has something to do with the anxiety as well, but let's just say that working out seems like it has been essential in mitigating um, the intensity of the anxiety that I feel. So working out is one, um, I changed my diet quite a bit. I eat, I thought I was eating, you know, I was eating, I was eating a very, very basic diet. It was basically just ground beef, avocado, and good whole wheat bread. Actually, I don't think it was whole wheat, but anyway, it's just a really good healthy bread. And eventually I cut out the avocado. And so I think I was actually very calorie restricted and to some extent I think that's probably what caused some of the head pain that I talked about earlier is more than likely I was becoming um, vitamin deficient because I was peeing all the time and I I got to a point to where I could fast like extremely easily for long periods of time and I don't think I was eating near enough calories I believe that my what is that like uh, what do they call that like your maintenance level my caloric maintenance level it's it's, it's over 2,000 calories like um I'm only about 5'10", but I'm pretty well built. I have a, uh, and not not because I work out, um, just like genetically. Um, God, that's such a douchey-ass thing to say. Anyway, the point is is that 
Um, I have a higher than my my caloric. Um, what do they call? God damn it! I just said I already. Funny thing is, is I haven't had caffeine in a very very long time. You know, months, and yet I'm talking as though I've intaken a lot of caffeine this morning. So I apologize for that, guys. Um, oh, my maintenance level. So my maintenance level is pretty high, and I was eating far less, probably like a thousand calories less than my maintenance level. And then I was peeing all the time because I had a, you know, I'm eating a pretty low carb diet. And I think that I eventually ended up, as I said, potentially uh, vitamin deficient or I probably threw my electrolytes out of whack or something to that effect because I'm peeing all the time and taking a lot of fluids. And uh, yeah, when I started taking a, a multivitamin for a little while, it seems like that kind of rectified the problem. A lot of this too, I think, could just be totally psychosomatic issues that occurred because, you know, due to the anxiety, because the funny thing about it is the more you think into it and some of the symptoms you imagine, you can start having those symptoms. And I know that sounds like fucking crazy, but that is reality. Um, I remember Joe Rogan, he talked about how he almost convinced himself he had COVID because, you know, when he was reading the symptoms, he started wondering, well, do I have shortness of breath? And sorry, kind of big aside. That's the other thing with anxiety is you start feeling like you have shortness of breath. I absolutely hate that. I hate it when you feel like you're, you're monitoring your own breathing. Extraordinarily annoying. I hate that side of it too. Um, but anyway, so, so I think a lot of this stuff could have been psychosomatic as well. Um, okay, so other things that I did to combat anxiety. So we already talked about how staying off social media helped a lot. I mean, that helped out probably, I don't know, 70% of the way there was just staying off social media or any sort of things that make you highly anxious. Um, the other thing is, is just not arguing with people, which I literally got to a point where I couldn't do that. Um, in that regard, and so as far as what scared me about some of these symptoms and me not feeling like me or feeling like another person is in some ways I felt like perhaps I was a better person. You know, it's like, good, you can't sit and argue. You can't do some of the things that you used to do. But at the same time, that reminds me of Alex from A Clockwork Orange who he he gets some treatments and he gets physically sick if he tries to engage in some of his old behavior and that allegedly is a cure, but he is also aware of the fact that he was not that kind of person before, and he misses him, misses his old self, even though his old self was kind of like a shitty person. Now, do I consider myself to be a shitty person? No, but I also didn't want to feel like I became a better person from circumstances that I didn't control and that I don't want. Um, if I decide to be somebody who decides not to argue more in the future, I want that to be a conscious decision and something that I work on so that I don't do that. But to just kind of be a better person based on something random that happens, and it's not even necessarily that you're a better person, it's just the fact that you can't engage in that because it will make you sick. I, I really didn't like that. Um, the other thing is it was very hard for me to to laugh during times I felt most anxious like things didn't they weren't funny to me and I was just always focused on the symptoms and you know like literally almost all day you'd sit there and be like am I you know do I have anxiety how am I going to fight this and like I said you just get this compounding effect to where it gets worse the more you sit and think about it and also sometimes talking about it talking about it would make it worse up until probably two like a week ago two weeks ago maybe um i couldn't have talked about this anymore because once i started talking about it or writing about it it would start getting worse um very bizarre so other things that bothered me about anxieties i just kind of figured um 
like maybe I'm a way weaker person than I thought. That was a very scary feeling, like maybe I'm chicken shit or there's something wrong with me, but I've kind of gotten over that idea because I've just had, I've just had a, you know, I like to think in a lot of ways I probably have stared into the abyss. Um, I've reconciled death probably to like 90% at least. I would almost say 100%, but maybe, I don't know, maybe if I were in a situation where I really thought I was going to die again or, you know, I, I truly was going to die, maybe I'd find out I was chicken shit and everything I thought I figured out because of this turned out to be false. But I actually highly doubt that because I, when I had the panic attack, I was so convinced that I was going to die and even later that night when I told myself like if you fall asleep you'll die I think uh, I know for sure my mind believed that because I'm still having to deal with the sleep problem now like my anxiety now generally only gets bad a couple hours before my normal bedtime and that's when I decided to take the magnesium glycinate to try to deal with it um, but it's gotten a lot better um, much 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 better which feels feels really good but anyway so so yeah I did I, I felt like a lot lesser of a person I always figured or now you know I figured well what would happen if I had to get in a gunfight or something with people would I just be one of those guys that balls up and is crying and being a baby and stuff like that and I, I still say no that's not me um, okay other things that have helped combat this so music um, music has helped out a lot and for me listening to music that um, really gets me amped up has helped a lot I don't know if it would have a month or two ago but it does now so for example um, listening to Tool I have, there's, I have a lot of there's a lot of nostalgia around Tool for me um, and luckily I don't listen to it very often because then when I do I get just strong emotions and feelings from it and, and I feel like it kind of brings back the old me like the quarrelsome me the I don't I don't know I think mean is the wrong word but it just it, it's just the old me it brings back feelings of <laughs> of like the the version of me that I like most so um, that has helped out a lot and I guess as well, when you're in a panic state, you're dealing with like a fight or flight response. And it was putting me into the flight response by default. And when I would be in that mode, I wouldn't see a way of getting out of it. It seemed like there was no other alternative at the time, which is very odd because like I said, I'm a very combative kind of person and in certain ways are very disagreeable or not afraid of conflict or dealing with people and stuff um so now that i can i've found something that can bring back that feeling of i think combative is too wrong because that makes it sound like i was some sort of like fucking warrior navy seal or some shit which i wasn't um but anyway uh yeah, again, sorry guys, and this probably isn't going to be edited, so it's going to suck um, for the listeners, but okay, so that has helped. Um, who, what else has helped? So exercise, eventually music did. Um, listening to extremely soothing music was nice. Um, 
changing the diet, trying not to think about anxiety. Um, that That's a really big one, but that's actually extraordinarily hard to do. Like if you tell somebody who's dealing with an anxiety issue, well, just stop thinking about it. That's an extremely stupid thing to say. Um, it's not like they want to, and it's very hard to just snap out of it. Um, so the the one of the only really effective ways I found to just get my mind off of it again is just working out. I can't overemphasize that one enough. Um, when you start putting yourself in pain, it will take your mind off your anxiety, or it did for me anyway. Um, you might have to for a while, be working out for a while before that effect happens, but oh well. Um, the amount of time that you get, you know, not being annihilated by your anxiety is totally worth it. And then some of the benefits post-workout also seem extremely helpful as well. Um... I guess I should also say that ultimately I did end up going to the ER for this stuff because one day somebody was telling me to locate an object on a pegboard and I could not find it and it was literally right in front of my face. It was probably a foot, maybe a foot away from my face, dead center on the pegboard and they were telling me, hey, like get me that thing, it's right there. And it, it's like, it was like a, it was a pretty big object. It was extraordinarily obvious too. I believe it was painted in like hunter orange and I just couldn't find it for like minutes and my doctor said if I had any sort of change in my mental state, I should go to the ER. So that was kind of the final straw. And I went down to the ER. And, uh, yeah, they gave me, I think it was like 25 milligrams of Benadryl. You know, obviously I got EKGs. I even got a spinal tap, which is not very comfortable. It's a very odd feeling. And the guy, <laughs> I don't know, he, he, he hit some sort of nerve that made my left leg shake old bastard but uh oh well um so i had a spinal tap and then they gave me some sort of i forget the name of it but i looked it up later and it was actually a benzodiazepine um which i recently watched a video that was put out on jordan peterson's channel about his um dealing with anxiety which that was actually something that sort of flared my anxiety was listening to what he went through like, man, after you have an anxiety attack or, you know, panic attack or whatever, anxiety issues, and you listen to what that guy's been through, I can't describe the amount of hell he must have went through. Um, it, it, I would never want to go through that. The other thing I would like to say, too, is, um, but it did help. The, the medications that they gave me while I was at the ER helped a lot. I was finally able to kind of fall asleep, and then I felt normal for the next, like, two days. I felt like me. Um, just off that one instance of going there, um, it was very, very interesting. So that, that's where I have hope too, is where I feel like I can completely kick my anxiety is, uh, I had days and I, and I've had, you know, like a day or two since then to where I felt completely normal again. And any day that you wake up and you're pain free and you feel normal or like you, you should really consider that you should be very, very appreciative of that. That's a very beautiful thing because it's a terrible feeling when you don't feel like you're yourself. And it's even worse when you feel like you're a much, much weaker version of yourself or you're not even the same person, like you're a weak person. Um, that's a very, it's a very shitty feeling. Um, so anyway, long story short, I'm a lot more sympathetic to everybody, to people that have anxiety problems. Um, like I said, I feel that anxiety is too... It's too weak a word to describe the feeling that correspond to people that have anxiety problems um it's not some I, everybody experiences anxiety i realize that 
I never had anxiety issues. I never have in my life until this shit happened. And I don't know what, I don't know what the straw was that broke the camel's back. And to some extent that does kind of freak me out. Um, I'm not somebody that, I don't know. I just never thought it would be me, you know, that I'd ever have anxiety. There's nothing in my, I've been in far, far more stressful situations in my life than anything I'm in right now. Um, never had any issues dealing with that or figuring out how to make that work. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what gave. It's almost like, uh, again, it's almost like something that was completely out of my control. There wasn't some gradual onset, I would say, that caused this. It was like just one morning I woke up and I was in a panic attack, you know, or having a panic attack. Very, very bizarre. Um, so that said, if you, if you, if you know people that have panic issues, just try to be sympathetic to them because whenever they have a panic attack or some sort of anxiety issues, like sometimes they can feel like they're literally about to die, like they're in imminent danger. Like you've just thrown them into a river, you know, teeming with salt river crocodiles or something to that effect. And they're just sitting there waiting to when something bites onto their feet and then start the barrel rolling or death rolling. Um, that's what it feels like. That's all you need to know, and that's all you need to sympathize with. Or, you know, I guess to make it a little more visceral, is just imagine somebody, um, there's like a scene from No Country for Old Men where Sugar, whatever his name is, is going to kill the Woody Harrelson character where he's just pointing a shotgun at him and the Woody Harrelson character is just waiting for him to do it and telling him, you know, kind of just pull the trigger, you piece of shit. Like, what are you waiting for? And he's not pulling the trigger, and he just waits there, you know, a little longer, and then he finally does kill him, but imagine that like you're in a room somebody busts in they got a shotgun or something that you're strained against the wall so there's no way you could charge them to sort of try and force their hand to actually kill you and they're just sitting there pointing a shotgun at your head or something and you you know you're gonna die like you know they're gonna pull the trigger but they're just not pulling it so that level of anxiety that's that to me is what an anxiety attack feels like or high levels of anxieties you sit there you know you're gonna die but it just ain't happening yet and you don't know when it's gonna happen um Again, like I said, probably the worst feeling I've ever felt in my life. Um, I never felt so small and significant that there was literally nothing there. There, you know, there was no voice to soothe me to say everything's gonna be okay. Something to that effect. There was, there was none of that. It was the most, it was the most alone I ever felt. It's the most insignificant I ever felt. Um, I'm not even doing it justice and I probably need to write this out sometime um, and then describe it or do a better job because I can't overemphasize how shitty a feeling that is. Absolutely shitty. And because of that, I never really understood suicide too well. I could understand that if people had to live in a constant state like that, that it probably would be better to just kill yourself because that's no way to live. To, to live like that, absolutely fucking terrible. And that's why I wouldn't judge people that if they ever got fed up and blew their brains out. It's like, I don't know. I'm not going to say, I'm definitely not going to say they were weak for doing that because it's until, until you experience it. And I know that some of you that listen are probably going to think, oh, it can't be that bad. It's like, well, one day if you ever have a legitimate panic attack, I think you'll, you'll get it. Um, I was like you to where I didn't think they were big deals. And I thought people that had them were of like kind of a weaker constitution I don't feel that way anymore. Um, not at all. Not at all. Um, okay. The other thing that I did as well, um, in terms of how to fix my anxiety or why I thought that even taking a more physical approach as, as opposed to a 
just kind of direct chemical approach to solving the problem is that um, based on my hypothesis of this being an issue with my central nervous system is I figured well who were like a cohort or select group of people that likely have had their nervous systems taxed extremely hard and so I thought of all the stories or things I've read about World War One um, and you know about the people that experienced shell shock and if you go look up a YouTube video of what shell shock victims look like and you see a lot of their erratic movements and things like that you can understand that there's definitely something wrong with their nervous system so I said okay well were there any cases to where shell shock was um, successfully were there people with shell shock that were successfully treated for it and the answer was yes and there was this uh, very well-known, like I believe he's a British psychologist, but he would take these shell shock patients. And what he did a lot of times to alleviate these problems is he would, he would just give them shit to do out on a farm, right? He would give them chores to do, or he would say, hey, something needs built, and then he would put them in charge, and they'd have to figure out how to do it. And it said that he even, he even encouraged them to shoot and things like that. And so for a lot of them, simply being given something to do and being taken away from the source of the stressor was sufficient to resolve, you know, their shell shock. Now, he did other things too. I think it was like hypnosis or some other stuff. And I need to dig more into that. But the point is, is that um, it seemed like like manual labor which corresponds, as far as I'm concerned, to working out, seems to have dramatically um, benefited people that went through shell shock. So if it can help them, then it can basically help the rest of us because nobody nobody listening to this has ever gone through something as bad as being, you know, just shelled constantly, you know, as the people, or I should say the people that were shelled constantly during World War One. So I figured that if it could work for them, then working out could definitely work for me. That seems to, you know, I seem to have more or less confirm that hypothesis. Um, sorry, guys, this is actually going a lot longer than I wanted, even though it doesn't feel like it, but that's because I'm kind of rambling. Um, so let's see, is there anything else that I want to build up or talk about? So um, during all this, I, or because of these experiences, I had to address finding meaning in the now and so what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that I have kind of like a 10 or 15 year projection of where I want to be in life. And based on, you know, earning a lot of money because of, the you know, my 10 or 15 year goals and stuff like that, if I achieve them, it's like, okay, then I can really start doing things for people that I want because I will have the means necessary to do that. Um, now I've realized that you you really need to try to find something that you can do in the now that matters to you and for me I know what that is and it's going to be I'm going to be starting a new podcast that is going to focus on a completely different topic because this one is just the scope of it is too narrow and it also doesn't really I don't think it serves other people at all so my other podcast I don't know when it'll be coming out it'll probably be coming out pretty soon but I need to find people that I can interview for it but it is going to it is going to be the type of work that I planned on doing anyway after I'm extremely wealthy. Um, 
and I guess maybe we should address that too. So why, why wealthy? You're some really greedy guy. No. So the reason why I care about being extraordinarily wealthy is because there's a lot of causes out there that I would like to fund. And if I don't have the money to do it, then I can't trust other people to fund it the way I would. Um, I want to make sure everybody that I love is taken care of. And the only way I can see to do that is by eventually having a lot of money. But the thing is, is, um, you know, none of us know when our final day is. And if I were to only focus on that goal, then I could, I, it's completely realistic, you know, that I could die between now and then and not have done anything that mattered to me. And the more I thought about it, it's like, well, wait a minute, I could actually, I could actually do a lot of work that I genuinely care about that I will do anyway after I'm wealthy. And so I just need to figure out a way to do that now. And I think I figured out how to do it through podcasting. And so that's what I'm going to do. So that way, if something is to happen to me, and I never achieve that other goal, at least I can still feel like I did something that mattered. You know, I will know that I did something that mattered. And to some extent, I think that's why my anxiety attack was so bad is because that feeling was overwhelming too. It's like, dude, you didn't do shit. Like you didn't do anything really in life that, that really mattered to you or you feel like you made a difference. And so that's going to change. You know, I don't have to be rich in order to do that. So I'm going to start doing that. Um, doing work that to me actually matters. So find something that matters to you as well. And I just hope that you pursue it. I think that'll help a lot. Um, me even knowing that I want to do that has helped with my anxiety quite a bit. The other thing is, is uh, Joe Rogan, he recently had a, a neuroscientist on his program who talked about what causes dopamine to be released. And they kind of talked about stress disorders as well. And basically, when you do anything it's like the wrong term, but when you do something that actually matters to you or where you, God damn it, this is so bad. I'm trying to think of the terms that he used, how he described it, but it basically boiled down to, if you do things that matter to you, that's how you're going to get a dopamine release. And if you do that, then that is a great, that, um, that can alleviate a lot of anxiety. Now I'm not stating it correctly because the way I just stated it, it's sort of like a no shit, like exact, like, of course that's what's going to happen. But I highly recommend listening to that episode. Um, sorry, I don't remember the guy's name, but uh, what is today? Today's like the July 26th or 27th or so. Um, it's it's just a recent episode with a uh, he's a Stanford professor of like neuroscience or something, and uh, I I highly recommend listening to that episode. Um, so is there anything else that I want to say? There really is uh, nothing else. I Well, actually, there is. I just want to reiterate, um, if you know people that are dealing with an anxiety issue, don't judge them. It's uh, like I said, when they're having a panic attack or when they're dealing with anxiety, they feel like they're fucking dying. Or they could anyway, especially if they're having a panic. If they're having a panic attack, that's exactly how they feel. There's nothing you can do to snap them out of it necessarily. Um, I don't know, maybe like a psychologist or something could could talk them down but I could see where it's very highly likely that depending on how afraid they are especially if it was their first one and they don't realize that it's not a heart attack is you absolutely 100 100% are convinced you're going to die and then you have other feelings on top of that as well unless the feeling of dying is sort of those feelings you know the feeling of just insignificance and that you're completely alone in the universe <laughs> very very interesting feelings um you know, I think I've said now for the third time, it's probably the worst feeling I've ever felt in my entire life. 
um, that's what they're feeling. So just try to have some sympathy with them or not sympathy, but just, I would just say, don't judge them. Um, like I said, to some extent, I was worried that, you know, maybe I'm a lot weaker person than I thought I was because I have this, but I just don't believe that. Um, I would say if it had to come down to something, it was just, I just got maybe like shittier wiring or something than other people. And maybe that's how it happened. Maybe some people just have amazing wiring and they can take way more. And that's not, that's not really their fault. And to me, if you have that kind of wiring, that's not really something to be proud of because you didn't do anything to earn it. Right. You didn't, it's, you don't have that wiring because you're badass. You were born with it. Just kind of like how some people like geniuses like John von Neumann, um, you know, Newton, people like that. They were just born with extraordinary minds. It, you know, or Carl Gauss. That's nothing to be super proud of. You were born with it. Or like Shaq being proud that he's born seven foot one and huge, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a... Anyway, so if you have that great kind of wiring, good for you. You know, I, I think that is like right on. But to look down on other people that don't, that would be like Shaq looking down on midgets, you know, like, like, you know, as if, you know, you were stuck in some sort of dwarven state because you didn't pay your taxes on time or something. It's like, no, they had no fucking control over it. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I guess we can also end on this is I, I realize that I'm getting a lot better overcoming my anxiety problem because I've gotten more and more quarrelsome again and it feels great I've had I've been able to think the way I did you know pre-anxiety attack which I couldn't do before and I'm actually able to laugh again at really dark stuff I have a very very dark sense of humor and I can finally it's like I can now laugh at that stuff and that stuff will make me laugh again and so I'm starting to feel like my old self and it feels amazing um I think based on this experience I'll never take feeling normal for granted again because normal is normal is a gift um when you feel impaired or you have something drastically wrong with you it feels terrible um okay and so again i'm going to be starting a new podcast i think uh i think it's going to be awesome and it's going to at least make me feel good like i'm going to be able to do the kind of work that i plan on doing after becoming a billionaire anyway so and i can just do that now in real time and if something happens to where i can't live to create the kind of company that I want that at least I know I will have done something that truly mattered to me um, in the meantime so yeah I just wish you guys all the best out there um, thank you for listening um, take care love you guys be safe